Okay, we are going to carry on with uh, John chapter 17, and we're going to look at the next part of uh, Jesus's prayer, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 6, and we're going to read through uh, verse 19. So let's read that together, and then we'll begin. Jesus is praying. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. It says, now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. I think this is interesting because Jesus is saying here that God gave these men to him. And that they know that everything that uh, has been given has been given from God. And they're part of that gift that God gave to Jesus. And so, uh, interesting concept there. It says he kept, in verse 8, it says, for your words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, and they truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. It says, I asked in verse 9 on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, um, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished but the son of perdition, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have uh, my joy made full in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. And so again, the first part of Jesus's prayer, he was communing with the father about himself, his glory, about glorifying God in his life. And now in this second part of his prayer, he is praying for his disciples and he is um, stating some things about them, about their position before God, about their future. And, um, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. Um, uh, the thing that you want to think about though, is that They've just, again, come out of a, a long period of time where Jesus has been teaching them and instructing them, and uh, 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 they've had the Lord's Supper, uh, they've had all these uh, moments with Jesus, and now, again, uh, time is short. This is not too long before Jesus is going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be praying there, and then he's going to be betrayed, and he's going to be taken and crucified. And so... Uh, Jesus is coming uh, to the end of his earthly ministry. Uh, it's an intense time for him. It's an emotional time for him. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's, there's a weight of everything that he's going through. Uh, and uh, during all this time in this period, though, he has great still concern and compassion for his disciples, right? So he's about to face the cross but he has great concern and compassion for his disciples, and he spends time with them in a vocal prayer to the Father that they can hear where he prays on their behalf. So the thing that we want to know about uh, the prayer for the disciples here is that 
His prayer was based on their faith in him. If you look, first of all, it says Christ had revealed the Father to them. In verse 6 and 8, he says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. So again, Jesus has just spent several years manifesting God the Father to these men, right? He has been demonstrating the reality that he is God in the flesh. He's been demonstrating. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And so he's been demonstrating and manifesting the Father to the disciples for this period of time. And, and, and the verse says, uh, uh, they were yours and you gave them to me. Now that verse is very interesting because it denotes that they are a possession of God, right? That God had earmarked them for a particular purpose and cause, and that uh, they belonged to him, and that he had set them apart, uh, again, uh, for a specific purpose. And Jesus says that they were yours, and you gave them to me, right? And so, again, uh, uh, Jesus went around calling these disciples out, right? But it was God the Father who had determined who Jesus was going to be calling, right? They were his from before time and eternity began. And so, again, uh, they were a possession of God given to the Son. Uh, It says, the men received Christ's words as the fathers. Look in verse 8. It says, for the words you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them. And it says, and they truly understood that I came forth from you. So again, these were real men of faith at this point, right? They, they, were they, was their, their faith fully mature? No, they still doubted. They scattered at the time of the crucifixion. Um, but, you know, uh, again, we see examples of when Peter said that thou art the Christ, right? That they had an understanding of the reality of who Jesus was. That they had received the message that Jesus had given. That the testimony that he was from the Father. They had embraced that. And they were counting on that, Right? And so again, uh, because of their faith that they had expressed in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus is praying for them. It says, first of all, that they accepted what Jesus said in verse 8. And then in verse 6, the the next part of their faith that was demonstrated and expressed is that they obeyed. So they not only heard what Jesus said, but they obeyed what he said. Verse 6 said, uh, you gave them to me and they have kept your word. So those are two prime examples of an act of living faith. Belief, right? Belief to the point where, like James said, our faith is a living faith, right? It's not a dead faith. Faith without works is what? Right. And so again, they had an active living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is acknowledging that in his prayer to the Father, that these are true uh, followers of Christ. These are true believers. And um, they accepted, they obeyed. And then they demonstrated that they had believed. Look again in verse 8. It says, says, I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. And so again, they were all in. They had bought what Jesus had said. They They had committed their lives, right? They had forsaken their past life when Jesus called them as disciples. They had left their nets behind. They had left their their families behind. They had, they had believed to the point that their actions demonstrated the reality of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ, in his prayer, acknowledges all those things to be true. And so, again, uh, because of their faith, uh, belief or faith in his word and person, they possessed eternal life and eternal, uh, and entered into that relationship with him. And so, because of their faith, he says... Um, in the end of verse 9, he says, But those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all things that uh, are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And so again, he's talking about because of the reality of their faith, 
there's the reality of a relationship with God. And so that is the same promise that we operate on, right? Because of our faith, we have a relationship with God. We have a restoration of our relationship with God. And, and uh, as it's true in the life of the disciples, it's true in the life of every believer. So we want to always remember that. So on this basis, uh, that they had accepted, that they had obeyed, that they demonstrated their faith, Jesus prays for them. And how does he pray for them? He prays for them in a couple of different ways here. He prays for them on uh, a couple of different matters. Actually, two that are interwoven uh, and two total. He said he prayed for them uh, in two parts. First, he prayed for their preservation. And that starts in verse 9. He says, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on the behalf of the world. And so, again, it was about them personally, right? It wasn't about what he was doing on behalf of the world. It wasn't for the world that he was asking. It was on their behalf. It was about them. And it was about what God was doing in their life. He says, I ask on behalf of them. Uh, He says, you have given me for they are yours. And uh, verse 10 says, in all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine. And I I have been glorified in them. And he's now going to acknowledge something that he's been telling them for a while. I mean, this is not the first time um, that he's mentioned that he's not any longer going to be with them. But in this prayer, he re-emphasizes it, and they're there listening. He says, I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. He had told them that he was going to be leaving, that he was going to be going back to the Father, and that they would receive the Holy Spirit, right? And and, uh, that they would receive... uh, something else, but he was no longer going to be with them. And he had told them that you can't, you can't go where I'm going, right? He said, uh, you can't go where I'm going. So they knew that he was about to leave. And he again is reminding them. And he's again, praying and acknowledging that before God of what the plan is that he's already shared with them. He says, I'm no longer in the world. And yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. And so Jesus is praying in accordance with God's will for his life and in accordance with the, light, uh, the will for the life of the disciples. And so he asked a question here. He, said, or, uh, he asked a, uh, uh, a petition here. He says, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. And so, uh, uh, again, he is asking for something specific in the life of the believers, that they are in the same kind of relationship with God, that Jesus is in relationship with God. He's, he's asking for the oneness in the relationship between the apostles and the Lord God Almighty, the same oneness that Jesus had with his Father. And so he's praying that for the life and the will uh, for his disciples. So he would soon leave and they would be left alone. Uh, Jesus said in chapter 16, verse 16, he says, uh, a little while and you will no longer see me. So he had told them earlier about this very thing. So he, pray, he, pray, he prays for their preservation. The next thing that he prays for is their protection in verse 11. He, he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me. And so again, he's told them that they're gonna face, they're gonna face animosity and hostility, much like he's about to face, right? And that uh, don't, he said, don't be surprised when the world hates you. If it hates me, it's going to hate you, right? And he's warned the disciples of the hostility that's about to come into their life as they live out um, God's will for their life and their ministries. 
And, and so God is, uh, the Lord Jesus is praying for their preservation in light of what they're about to face. Even though he's really about to face some persecution, right? He's praying, he's thinking of them and what life is going to be like when he's gone. And so again, it's a very compassionate moment and a very compassionate time um, for him to pray for these guys because he loves them, right? After all, and he spent this time with them and uh, you know, he's called them and, and he has empowered them and he's going to use them. And so he prays for their protection. He had previously revealed the antagonism which these men would have to endure because of their relationship to him. Look in chapter... 15, well, I already mentioned that. He says, if the world hates you or hates me, it's going to hate you. Um, but also look in, uh, well, no, we'll skip that. So again, uh, they have to know that they're going to uh, have some hard times because of the, of the relationship that they have with Jesus. Uh, he said, uh, he, he, said in, he asked the Lord to watch over them in verse 12. Now he asked the Father to watch over them in verse 11. So he watches over them in verse 12. He says, I've been watching over them, Father. Now I'm asking you to watch over them. And so, again, the same care that Jesus had during his ministry of watching over the disciples and instructing them and guiding them and teaching them and protecting them and bringing them along in their spiritual maturity and in their spiritual walk and down their path of ministry and their understanding of the things of God, all these things that Jesus has been pouring into their life, he's asking now the Father to continue to do in their life also and and to... Uh, continue the work in their life that he's begun. He, and he says, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me in verse 12. And I guarded them and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition so that scriptures might be fulfilled. And so again, he's been guarding them. He's been watching over them. And now he asked the father to do the same. So he prays for their preservation. He prays for their protection. Uh, he also goes on to pray. He says, not only for their protection, but for uh, what he had. He says that my joy may be made full. He wants them to have the same joy that Jesus had. Let me give you that verse here real quick. He says, um, uh, let's talk about a little more about the protection. Verse 15 says, says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. And, and you know, that, that is another thing that we need to understand is that uh, we've experienced some evil in the last week, right, in our world. Uh, but we've also been called uh, as believers to do what? To be salt, to be light in the community we're at. And, and the disciples would not have been effective if God had pulled them out of the world, right? To, again, reach the world, to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ, to show them the Father, as it were, all the things that they'd been charged to do. There, there would be none of that if the Lord pulled them out. And so the purpose for their life was not to, to miss all of the hardship, but to be salt and light and to be a witness and a testimony in the midst of all the hardship. You know, we're going through some things in our society that are difficult, and it is a time and an opportunity for believers like you and I to be the salt and light that Jesus intended us to be to those folks that are around us that are struggling with the, the, the situations and the, and, the, and the evil that's taking place. We have the opportunity to shine them or show them to the light in all of the darkness that we're involved in, right? 
And so again, the same opportunity and the same prayer Jesus had for his disciples uh, that they would be kept in the world is the same purpose and plan that God has for my life and your life. It is not about missing the difficulties of life. It is not about missing the evil that is around us. It is not about uh, uh, skating around everything and having, uh, like the prosperity theology folks say, all of, all of the good things that we want out of life. But it is about in the difficult times, in the dark times, again, fulfilling God's call on our life to be salt and light and to be a testimony to a lost world who needs Jesus, right? And so it's the opportunity uh, for us to live up to the expectation of Christ that he had on the life of the disciples. Because I will tell you, in the next week, we'll look at uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer for us, and it includes basically what he's telling and praying for the disciples, And so God's will for our life is that we live exactly the same way. And so again, he doesn't want them to be taken out. He wants them to be preserved in light of the situation. Now think about the situation that they're in. They're in uh, the Roman Empire. Um, They are going through being uh, the dispersion. They're being shoved out into all the world. Uh, they're being persecuted and they're going to be more uh, persecuted to a higher degree. They're being shunned by their own countrymen because they've forsaken Judaism and they are now embracing this Jesus Christ as their Messiah and they're going to be shunned by some of their family. They're going to be ostracized to some degree. They're going to have real persecution uh, uh, way more than we've been experiencing, right? And Jesus, again, doesn't give them a pass on that. There to go through that. And, you know, we have other examples through Scripture of how we are supposed to go through uh, the difficulties of life. We're supposed to go through like a soldier, right? Putting on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, right? We're to, uh, uh, Paul says, to be effective in the way that we go through that. We don't just run like somebody that's running willy-nilly, but we run with a purpose and a direction, to win the race, right? We don't just fight beating the air, but we fight with a purpose, a plan to win the prize, to achieve the goal, to uh, be what Christ has called us to be, right? And so again, that, that's God's desire for the church, for believers, for his disciples, is that we go through the situations in life as difficult as they may become, uh, as dark as they may seem. Uh, it's not about... Uh, not about skipping it, but going through and glorifying God in the midst of it, right? And so he prays for his disciples that God would preserve them in the difficulties that they're about to face. And he goes on to say, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. See, that's the deal that we need to understand that helps us get through the difficulties that we face in this life. This, remember the old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. See, I'm getting so old, I can't remember the songs. But anyways, this is not our home. This is not our final place. This is not their final place. And he's going to talk about that here in a minute. And so, you know, we have to approach uh, life and the difficulties that we face with that in mind, that this is not the end, right? Even though, even though our physical life may come to an end here, there is something beyond this and there is a purpose that God has for our life that has eternal consequences and we are working in that direction and under that understanding of God's call on our life. And that empowers us and that enables us to endure the difficulties. I mean, he, he tells, uh, Paul tells Timothy to, do, to endure the hardships like a good soldier, right? And, and so we need to understand there's other... Uh, 
charges in the Bible that says uh, that we need to endure to the end, that we need to not just endure, but we need to endure continuously to the end. And that we don't have a getting off point or stopping point or a, a resting point or a, uh, I'll, I'll pick that back up tomorrow point. Uh, we're supposed to keep going and going and going. And so God has a plan for his disciples. He prays that, God w- or that the Father will uh, help them even through the difficult times. And he says, uh, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And he says, sanctify them in thy truth. That word sanctify is, again, we all know about being set apart for spirit. A special or particular purpose, right? And so again, he, you know, he's saying, set them apart for the special purpose of ministry that I have for them, just as, as I've set myself apart for the purposes of God. And so let's think about that. Jesus said, uh, he said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves may also be sanctified in the truth. Jesus Uh, says, I sanctified myself. What did he do? How did he set himself apart for the purposes of God? It says that he humbled himself, right? And he took on the form of a man and thought it not robbery, right? And he he became a man and he humbled himself as a man to the point of death, even the death of the cross, which is about what he's going to face. He had set himself apart for the purposes of God, the purpose of God that were established before the foundation of the world, for my salvation, for your salvation, for God's glory. And so uh, Jesus had set the pattern and he had set the pace. And now he is setting these men apart. Remember, he called these men, right? He charged these men. He gave them their commission, their ministry, their direction. And now he's asking the Father to, to set them apart for this special and particular purpose that their life would be set apart for the things of God, just as the life of Jesus Christ had been set apart for the things of God. So he's praying, again, that his disciples will follow in his footsteps, that they will follow follow the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to God the Father and in obedience to the plan and the call that God has on their life. And again, that's the desire God has for all of us as believers, right? Right? We sometimes think that our Christianity is just something we tack on to our life. And in reality, our Christianity and our relationship with God has a responsibility. We are, uh, the Bible tells us, not our own. We have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in our bodies, right? And so we have an obligation. And I talked a little bit about this last week in Sunday school. We have an obligation. There's a, a, an assumption Uh, that God has that we are going to obey him because of the relationship that we have with him just as there was an assumption that the the son would obey because of the relationship the son had with the father, right? How many of you assume that your children, because of your relationship, will obey you? Not always the case, I understand, but there's an assumption, right? That your children will... Uh, uh, will obey you, right? And, and so it is a natural assumption, assumption because of the relationship that you have with your children, right? And so uh, uh, there, is a, there is a natural assumption and call on our life from God because the fact that we are in relationship with him. Jesus put it this way, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so again, 
obedience to God equates to a high level of relationship with God, a love relationship, right? And so obedience, and I'm saying right a lot yet. Are you counting? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I get picked on a lot when I preach. I just realized that. Um, again, uh, lo- love demonstrates the reality and the level of our relationship. And obedience is a reflection of that relationship, right? And it is the standard by which God measures our affections, obedience. I, I kind of measure my kids' affection for me by how they obey me. Don't you? Uh, isn't that normal? Right? And so, uh, uh, again, uh, you know, we can, we can say that we love God. But our obedience demonstrates the reality of our affections for God. Just as Jesus' obedience to God, right? To go to the cross demonstrated his love for God the Father. Right? To this level, the Bible tells us that no greater love has any man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for a friend. God, the, the Son, demonstrated the highest level of love for you and for the Father in his obedience to God. And so, again, God is looking for that in the life of us as believers. Um, so, he prayed for their preservation. He prayed for um, their protection. And then he prays for their sanctification. So, again, to be sanctified is to be set apart or to be consecrated. He had uh, previously told them that he had uh, chosen them in chapter 15, verse 16. He sets them apart for the ministry. He has called them uh, to, you see that in verse 17 and 18. It says, for the same purpose that God sent Christ into the world, Jesus now sends out these men. They're doing the same work that Jesus is doing. They're carrying on the work of God the Father in the redemption of man. And so, again, the prayer is that they'll be set apart uh, to follow the path that God has for them. It says, for the same purpose, uh, God sent Christ in the world. Jesus now sends out these men. Christ had been sent to reveal the Father. That was the main purpose of him coming. Look at chapter 17, verse 4. And verse 4 says this. It says, I glorified you on earth. I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So again, Jesus was all about, as he prayed earlier in this prayer, about revealing the Father, about glorifying the Father, about demonstrating the reality of the Father into the lives of those he came in contact with. And so he has that same desire again for the disciples to carry that on. The world might know the Father through knowing Jesus Christ. He was sending these men to continue the work he had come to do. They were now going to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you have seen me again, right? You have seen the Father. So while he was revealing the Father to them, they're now revealing the Lord Jesus Christ uh, after his death, burial, and resurrection, and in turn revealing the Father because it is the same. And so they're carrying on the work. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, He set himself apart to do this work. Again, look in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Let me go here. It's quicker. 
Uh, I mentioned this earlier, but we'll read it again. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, become obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then it says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Um, again, he was set, totally set apart to do the Father's work, and, uh, and he did. And uh, he, will, uh, he did that in order that believers might be set apart to God by the word of truth he brought. And so one of the things that we want to, as we draw to a close, recognize about this prayer of Jesus is that, again, he had, had a very specific prayer for these disciples. He knew that uh, he was going to be leaving them. He knew that he had, again, called them to do a s- specific work and that it was going to be difficult. And that uh, being a Christian... Being an apostle, being a disciple, building a church in that day and age was not going to be an easy task. And Jesus had that in mind on his way to the cross. Even though he was about to, again, experience uh, a, a lot on his own part, he had, he had the disciples in mind on his way to the cross and the difficulties they were going to face. And he prays for their support from the Father so that they might carry on the ministry that he's charged them with. And it is, again, God's desire for every believer that, again, we will follow the path that God has laid out for our life. And we have some advantages uh, today, uh, now, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit empowering us in addition to God's word that we understand his will for our life. And we have everything that pertains to the to holiness, the Bible tells us. So God grants us everything that we need. He gives us our faith. He gives us the ability to separate ourselves unto the purposes of God. He gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. And there is, again, the expectation of God on the life of a believer that we will live in obedience to the reality of our relationship with God. I think that's it. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this prayer that gives us insight to your heart, Lord, about these men who you worked with, you trained, you called, you chose uh, to carry on your work, your ministry, Lord, and it shows the heart and passion you had uh, for what they were about to do and uh, your desire for them to be successful. Lord, you have the same desires for us, and we're going to see that next week. And God, uh, you have a, pl- a purpose and a plan for each of our lives, and it includes living for you, serving you, and being a testimony for you to the lost world. And I pray, Lord, you'll give us all a passion to be faithful in that area, and we'll thank you for it. And we ask this in your name. Amen.